2: chase thomas podcast. the chase thomas podcast
1: um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right hello and welcome back to another episode of the chase thomas podcast where i'm still the aforementioned chase thomas coming to you live from knoxville tennessee everything school hq a pod divided the college football show each and every week on this very program twice a week because we love talking college football all the time on this very show down there in tequila georgia my good friend fellow university of north georgia alumni matt green is here matt good evening sir how are you good
2: evening sir uh this is uh, the first pod divided of the new year so happy Mm -hmm. new year to to you and yours up there in knoxville
1: hey everything school hq i don't know if you saw basketball (laughs) program in the top five the ap top five this week uh tennessee right up there in the top 10 for national championship odds going into next year in the football season baseball we're like 34 days away and they're a top five team once again so it's just you i'm just tired of winning you know i'm tired of winning a lot and being good at a lot of stuff matt green It, it, it you're in hibernation mode it's officially uh just uh dog hibernation season where we'll see y'all again in July and August but uh for the next for the next few months it's uh Georgia fans will be neither seen nor heard the milford men of college sports georgia bulldogs uh, great
2: reference but uh yeah whatever helps you uh be more satisfied with those eight, nine win football seasons, you know, that, that, that's fine. We all know the sec football, it just means more down here. So, you know, enjoy, enjoy the, uh, enjoy the spring sports. Uh, Let's not act like Georgia's not good in other sports. All right. They're not good in baseball and basketball. Like the two, the next two really good, but it's like women's sports. They're good. Mm -hmm. They're getting all kinds of, softball and all kinds of other things swimming dancing gym gym uh, gymnastics and everything so put some respect tennis put some respect on a uh, uga foot uh athletic program
1: hey i'm just saying the big three the big three that you and i spend a lot of time watching although you're not a big baseball guy and i understand because you're a big braves guy it's hard to do both i Honestly, don't pl- i can't
2: keep up with college basketball as much as i mm. used to either it's
1: i'm almost i'm almost just a
2: uh a a college football MLB and like casual NFL fan like I mean I'm mm. like a casual NBA fan too I guess but it's just easier to keep up with the NBA than uh at least I know the players college basketball with all the one and done's it's like you gotta be locked in to keep up with college basketball
1: hey do it, you got to do sir not not everyone can be sports renaissance men who keep up with that's everything. true i can't
2: i can't be like you one day i'm, I'm hoping i can be like you
1: i don't think you want to do that i don't think there's any part <laughs> of matt green that's like i want to know a little bit about a lot of stuff I, I think you're good being the college football expert and living in braves country and doing fantasy baseball like you you got your niche man i don't think you're diving out i, I don't that's think you're fair. doing that uh Well, don't forget, folks, we do this show twice a week uh, here on the Chase Homes Podcast every Sunday night and Wednesday night, uh, talking all things college football, if you uh, enjoy this very show don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and write us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify if that is indeed how you're watching if you're watching us on youtube right now we appreciate it uh growing more and more each day 1.6 thousand subs doing really well full episodes clips shorts all the good stuff so if you're watching us there uh we appreciate it uh, make sure you drop a comment or like and subscribe if you have not already done so and you like all of these episodes each and every day here on this feed check out the homepage. all kinds of great content and links and more information about about this very show, Chase Thomas And you can always email us and get in touch with us at Chase Thomas Podcast at Gmail.com. If you have any college football questions for Matt or myself, you can do so there. Check out the newsletter, Sports Renaissance that grows more and more and does really good uh, traffic uh, each and every day on the Substack. So if you want to get early access to what we're doing each and every day on this program, Sports Renaissance Man. com. Matt Green, uh, it's Nico Week. Here on the program uh is that, was...
2: is that what week it is
1: it's nico ia maliava do you have it down sir
2: uh yeah i think i do ia ia maliava that's that right it? ia maliava okay. yeah I, it didn't take me too long to uh, to learn Uyunglale. and so you know <laughs> that's tougher ia, uh, his name is pretty phonetic uh mm-hmm. phonetically spelled
1: well I'm going to get into mine, but obviously, I watched a absorbent, exorbitant amount of college football on Monday uh, between Tennessee, then immediately to uh, Texas, so Washington. Er, t- yeah, the, I basically had a triple header, and it was a lot. It was a fun time because all three games were fun. Um, I understand if you're not a Tennessee fan, then you probably didn't love Tennessee, Iowa, but it was a lot of fun and for it myself.
2: Thompson was too. There's a there's a nice little uh nice little college football set or Monday I should say.
1: Yeah. Uh, it felt like a Saturday in a lot of ways. Just how. That's um, what I was
2: thinking. Frank the Tank. Good nice little Saturday <laughs> plan.
1: I didn't hit up Home Depot. I did not have time. Not enough and time. No, not enough time, Matt Green. But it was enough time for Nico yamaliaba to put on a show for the Tennessee Volunteers in a 35 nothing victory over. Iowa in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, but before I give my take on what I saw from Nico and Tennessee as they go away uh, for the next nine months, which is quite sad, uh, Matt Green, what did you see from Nico and Tennessee in their debut of the five-star number one overall prospect of the 2023 cycle? 2022, excuse me.
2: I mean, I think he definitely showed some of those flashes why this guy's a five star, you know. But um, you know, he's got all the tools. Uh, it's it's just hard to take to know what to take away from some of these bowl games. Like since since you're looking at a guy, this is like a, a almost a spring game for him. Iowa's mm-hmm. got a good defense, so it's like it's a it's a worthwhile uh, you know exhibition, if you will. So he looked good. Um, you know joe milton looked good versus clemson in the bowl game last year right so there's there's reason for optimism on rocky top next year but it's it's i don't know for me it's hard to to know exactly what to take from from some of these games with iowa i mean this this team just i don't know they're setting records out here uh for for lack of offense
1: hey it's if ever it look they, it's one of those things, too. It was like a lose-lose where it's like if Nico struggles, you're like, oh, it's panic. But it's also like, hey, this defense is one of the better defenses in college football. And for the most part, he shredded them. Tennessee didn't take any deep shots uh, in this game. I think they had one total deep shot uh, all day. The tackles were terrible uh, for Tennessee. Uh, Dane Davis got obliterated in the right-hand side. Um, so Nico actually took six sacks in this one. And if Joe was behind center, they may have taken 12 uh overall but Nico the thing that said out to me um with him is he is so good at doing things when things break down because you just have a full year of Joe just being stuck in the pocket and just sitting there and just waiting on guys to get open and guys weren't getting open and taking bad sacks and just it was a very robotic offense like it was a very robotic passing game all year long and they didn't they didn't trust Joe to do a lot of stuff, and he didn't do a lot of improv. He wasn't a natural runner. He didn't want to run. Um, you just didn't see it enough, and Tennessee was really missing that because part of what made Hendon Hooker so dominant two years ago was that defenses just they, – they were just frustrated because they were like, is he running because he was such a natural runner, and he was so good with deep shots. He was so good in the intermediate. Like, you just didn't really know how to defend Hooker because he had so many different ways he could beat you, and he was so comfortable in the hypo of offense. I think you just have to have that. You have to be a runner in this offense for it to really glide and be a top 10 offense. And I think the biggest thing that we saw from Nico, because the receiver play still wasn't great in this one, was that Nico, he ran in multiple scores, but he was so good at making something out of nothing, getting first down, on third and seven and scampering out when the offensive line was getting beat off the line of scrimmage. Like Nico's improvisation, I think, was huge. His pocket feel was on full display where I made jokes in this program where it's like, he's big Bryce young, but a lot of the stuff he was doing was just a lot of Bryce young stuff where he's, he's just so natural in the pocket at moving around and avoiding pressure and knowing where to be and throwing off platform that we'll see what happens uh, for a full season. But I think that that along with the fact that he doesn't make mistakes, like he wasn't putting the ball in arm's way. He wasn't inaccurate with the football. Like, he runs with a purpose. He doesn't run in a way where you're like, ooh, he's might have a fumbling problem. No, I mean, he just doesn't, he's not going to throw a lot of picks. He's a very efficient guy. Um, the sky's the limit, man. Like, he's uh, he's going to be a really good player. And as Graham Coffey, friend of the pod, was like, he's got some juice to him. And I think uh, the main thing that you saw is like, he's going to be a good player. Like, do I think he'll win a Heisman or anything like that? Well, that remains to be seen. But the main thing is Tennessee, I think, next year we'll be back to a fun very dangerous top 10 scoring offense again because he's gonna kill teams with his feet and through the air and when you when Tennessee and Josh Heupel has a quarterback who can beat you in multiple ways like that again I think we're gonna see something closer to what we saw two years ago with Hindenhooker
2: and if that's the case like I, I definitely agree with a lot of the points you're making and if that's the case like as a Tennessee fan like aren't you kind of scratching your head of like why we didn't get a realistic shot at Nico early in the season? Like, I mean, after you lose to Florida early on, it's like, okay, let's, let's start to play two quarterbacks here. Let's let's have some series set up for Nico playing like real snaps. Like you saw like a, like a Deshaun Watson or something Mm -hmm. as a freshman, like a Jacob Eason or something as a freshman of like, okay, this guy's got experience, but let's see what this, stud five-star freshman is going to do you know so that's the one thing that's like if you're this sold not not like uh talking shit about you or anything but like if you're this sold after one full start against iowa like what would you have thought if he put together two or three series against alabama you know like earlier in the season like i think i think with how underwhelming joe milton was for for so much of the season like I'm just surprised that Nico never got a realistic look, playing like meaningful snaps during the regular season.
1: Well, I think part of it was just that like something tells me that Hypol knew early on this was going to be kind of a lost season, where like the receivers weren't as good as what we saw well, then a even year more ago. So,
2: like, what? Yeah. It's a lost season. Like, let's prepare. Let's have this dude a whole season under his belt going into 2024.
1: Maybe, but I also think, I mean, the locker room aspect to it was Joe was very likable. He was a friend to everyone else. He was the guy who Hinden Hooker passed the torch to. I don't, I just think part of, probably a lot of it was locker room dynamics. Joe's a great teammate. Um, Nico and Joe were cool. I think there's just something about this year where if you all see it's a gap year, and my gut is if you gave true serum to all the Tennessee coaches of like before the year, how did you, how did you think this team was going to be? At, compared to what you saw in 2022, I would venture to say most would say we just we're hoping to get to 9 and 3, but anything more would be pretty pretty surprising. I mean for in us.
2: terms of yeah, in terms of are are we expecting to repeat what we did in 2022? Like yeah. they would probably most wouldn't expect that. But it's definitely not a lost year. Like we talked about all the seniors they had on defense. Like they had a significantly improved defense from a year ago this year. And it's like so if you actually continue to be Josh Hypo on offense, like have the typical Josh Hypo I- offense, like this team could have been the best in the sec East or something, you know, they could have mm-hmm. potentially gotten to Atlanta. So I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it becomes a loss season when you're cause you're probably thinking Joe Milton has the highest floor as a fifth, sixth year senior whatever he was. And you have so much experience mm-hmm. on this team. He probably gives you the best chance to win now, but I don't know. I, I as someone who lived through like the Jake Fromm and Justin Fields like conversation, like Jake Fromm was actually really good, and there was a huge conversation about playing the five star new shiny toy. So for to get underwhelming quarterback play and not ever see that five star freshman, it's just a little surprising to me.
1: But it is what it is. It's fine. We're turning the page. You're still gonna get two years of Nico, like in full years, and you go into next year in 2025 is like, hey. We're in the game now. I think next year I was talking to a buddy about it today was that I think Tennessee's game plan should be look, I mean Old Miss, their higher odds in the it's wild to see how high Old Miss's title odds are go, nationally going into next year because this is uncharted waters. And this
2: favorable to... schedule I, I believe right yeah. is Alabama not on their schedule next year. I know they do play Georgia.
1: I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh I, but if they do get Bam, I guess what? They're going to get him at home. Like that's a home game for Ole Miss, so and they played them close at home two years ago. Final drive, they had the ball um to win and they didn't convert. Jackson Dart missed over the top and stuff. But um, no, I mean I just think you look at next year for Tennessee. The goal should be make the playoff. That's the goal, and then twenty twenty five year two of Nico. Um, I think a lot, Mike Matthews, Brand Staley, some of these young guys are going to be sophomores. They're going to have bigger roles. And I think you look at 2025 as, like, you need to be in position to be able to win a title. Like, you need to be in the top seven title odds going into 2025. And 2024, just make the playoff, aim for that, and see what happens. 2025, the expectations are everything. Like, that's year five. That's a big tipping point. It's a lot of lot of talent that should be a little bit more seasoned. You should have the most amount of depth you've had in a while. Year two of a Heisman-type quarterback, like, it that the pressure's on is the way I'm looking at the next two years.
2: I think, uh, I think you're on to something there. And also speaking of Ole Miss's schedule, like man, the sec, the sec is about to be a lot of fun, man. Like, mm. cause we're talking about them having a weak schedule. Like they're, they're probably sleepwalking to six and zero. no offense to Kentucky and South Carolina, but they're probably yeah. going six and O, but we're talking about them having a weak schedule. Then they got LSU, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Georgia, and Florida. Like, mm. SEC, there's not going to be many week schedules. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: I think so, sir. Um, Matt Green, the Georgia Bulldogs. So you get Humphrey back um, in this one uh, this week. So that and there's the portal, comes back, the five-star kid. Um, Lad McConkey, and Brock Bowers officially off to the NFL. Um, but before I uh, pick your brain about that, Matt Green, the dogs. They destroy Florida State. um it was not close. It was never close. It was it was tough uh, for the Orange Bowl onlookers who made the trip. I feel bad for the Florida State fans who made the trip down, or even Georgia fans who uh, paid a lot of money potentially for that trip to go see um, the dogs. I'm sure Georgia array.
2: fans still had a lot of fun watching a 60 point win.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, maybe. I just look at it as like when there's so many dudes out. I, That's what I want to ask you, because I saw some culture stuff about this after, and a lot of people were ripping Florida State, and a lot of people were saying, like, there was a lot of divisive comments from both sides of the aisle here. Where do you fall, Matt Green, on what happened between Georgia and Florida State in Miami?
2: So, uh, so you want me to get into the culture things, or are we talking about the
1: actual game? The culture thing, and then let's get into the actual game. Um, in terms of
2: that, so I think two things can be true, and so I, I like to I, I compare this to um kind of like how we talk about professional athletes, like like so we uh there's people who criticize Michael Jordan, you know, because he wasn't like an activist for his community and stuff like that, but but you hype up like a Bill Russell, a Kareem Abdul Jabbar, like he was an activist, he did whatever, right? Stood up for, for causes and stuff. But you can elevate one guy for doing that, but you don't have to downgrade another guy for not doing that, right? Like this guy's extraordinary because along with being a professional athlete and everything, he also thinks whatever is important. So you can hype up Georgia's culture because I think it's it's right to, like they have, you know, Bullard went pro, Tykee Smith went pro, uh. Kuma, Kamari Laster went pro. Several guys that, you know, the draft, I guess McConkie, technically he left early too, right? So a lot of guys that could have just sat out and been in their final game did play for Georgia. Marius Mims and Bowers, I mean, they battled injuries. So they did opt out, quote unquote, for this game. But I mean, they kind of battled injuries throughout the season. So I think it does say something about Georgia's culture that so many guys wanted to finish the season and, and make a statement and everything but I don't think we have to downgrade Florida state's culture because they didn't, you know, I think this is the natural, you know, college football like world that we've kind of created that these bowl games don't really matter. Like Florida state. I mean, you could say maybe there's like an extra saltiness about not being in the playoff. I'm sure more than that. It's like, let's be honest, like Florida state was kind of built on like a Renta, a Renta player, like, philosophy you know a lot of transfers that like they maybe florida state wasn't their favorite school coming out of high school but this is where they ended up this is where they had the best opportunity to play and now it's gotten me to where i want to be i'm in a position to go pro fuck this bowl game i don't need this bowl game so you know it's like like a hired gun a mercenary like they got you where you want and it's unfortunate because i think florida state i still have Like even though they lost by sixty points, I still have the 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 belief that they should have made the college football playoff based on what they did through thirteen games. But I I don't I don't think just because Georgia, I think this kind of I don't know if this proves Georgia has the best culture in college football, but I think it proves that, you know, they're they're kind of built different. But that doesn't mean that because all Florida State has these guys opting out, they're somehow have this poor culture.
1: Yeah, I think that's a I think that's true. And also I think what this showed more than anything is george is ahead of florida state in the depth department florida state's recruiting really well the last couple cycles under mike norvell i think Mike norvell is the guy he's had a great year like he has turned florida state they're back into a juggernaut in college football but they don't have we talked about at the beginning of the year where it was like they just did they were very top heavy you had verse you had keon coleman you had trey benson you had jordan travis like you had a lot of dudes at the top and it was like, Hey, if they're healthy, they're going to be really hard to beat. like, this is going to be a dominant, dominant football team, but not like they had dudes after dudes. They didn't have the Bama, Michigan, um, Ohio state guys like that yet. Now I think they're going to be there sooner rather than later, but that's a whole heck of a lot of production. And so much of their identity was wrapped up in those guys. That when you lose all of them, there's just a bunch of inexperience, a bunch of guys who didn't know what they were doing, and it was just a lot of a lot of limited talent out there. Now, do I think That's the score be the safe in two years? I don't think so. But I think Georgia is so deep. So if they lose a Brock Hours to this game, they just have bodies. Like Georgia is the deepest, I think right now, the deepest program in college football. So I think Georgia can withstand opt outs. Better than I think any program in the country. I don't know if you agree, but I would say they, they can withstand it better than anybody.
2: I think that's true, but it's not like these two teams had anywhere close to the same number of opt outs. Like I saw a graphic that was like said that they both had like 27 players based on like the yeah. portal, and this, it's like George had a bunch of third, fourth stringers, the dudes that weren't playing that were transferring. Like this was basically George's George's first string. Like Bowers yeah. may have been out, and Amarius Mims may have been out. But, like, this was Georgia at full strength just about playing against Florida State's entire second, third string with, like, yes. a fourth string quarterback. So it's, like, it's not even fair. Like, I hate hearing people that are, like, yeah, but if you were anywhere close to Georgia, like, <laughs> you wouldn't have lost by 60. Like, you could at least, like, lose by, like, 30 or something. It's, like, we had a third, fourth string quarterback. It's, like, Georgia is possibly the best team in the country. Like, they, yeah. Georgia potentially could have beaten Florida State handedly – with their starters like we don't know but w- without without the uh without everybody every key player it's not like it's just yeah. a few guys here like i i almost felt bad for florida state fans watching because i just knew yeah. the narrative coming out of this game was going to be like oh clearly they didn't deserve to be in the playoff like if yeah. they were if they were good at all they could have put up a fighting it's like they gave georgia like a tough like first drive right like they did think Georgia turned it all over on downs on the first drive of the game and then proceeded to have nine straight touchdown drives. And it was like, okay, this is – it's getting a little out of hand.
1: Yeah, and I mean, look, it's a bowl game. And I think Georgia fans – I think a lot of people – it's not even just Georgia fans. I don't want to pick on them. I think it's just more of – I think college football fans need to recalibrate – how they view bowl non-playoff bowl games and I mean when we go to the 12 team playoff next year I think it's going to be even worse but like it's an exhibition and the difference here with like Florida State going undefeated and then Mike Norvell having to get his guys up being the first undefeated power five team to be left out of the college football playoff to get them up for Georgia like that's never going to be easy and it's just You really have nothing to play for in that regard, where it's like I could not imagine how deflating that had to be for all those dudes who did everything. They didn't lose a game. And then this is still an exhibition game. Like, no matter how you shake it, it is an exhibition game and not a playoff game. And we have no idea how this game would have gone if they were all at full strength. I mean, you know what would have been fun? Georgia and Florida State at full strength. Like, that would have been a lot of fun. I think it would have been a close game and we could actually have some narrative conversations. Maybe it's not a close game. Maybe Georgia still beats them uh, handedly at full strength. And then we can talk about first that
2: round game. If Georgia would have beaten Alabama, I'm not sure if, if, if that's true. Texas still jumps them or, or what, but
1: yeah, it was definitely
2: unfortunate. I, um, you know, I don't know if I'm with Kirby, like if it's an indictment on the entire bowl, like landscape, like not every game had like this many opt-outs, But I mean, and at the same time, like, like you're saying with the 12 team playoff, like, I think that's it's not going to be an issue anymore, because those are all the only teams we want to see play anyway, like the in terms of like the big games, you're tired of watching number five and number six play and it's it's not a big game, you know, so Mm. you're going to see all those top 12 teams like they're going to have their rosters like, obviously, there's a whole other thing with who knows how many guys that are in the playoffs transfer and don't actually play for their teams in the playoff. Like that's going to be a whole nother thing. But um, I'm not again, as worried about in that terms of, in terms of opt outs. Like, I don't think we're all going to care if that much because some starters are sitting out of the holiday bowl, you know, or the cheese at bowl or something like that. Like between a couple of teams ranked in the twenties.
1: I just am not as worried about that. People are doomsdaying that players really want to play for things that matter. Like players want to play for a title. I think the vast majority NFL teams are it's not going to like that. Though, man. No, I don't disagree, but I'm saying starters and a lot of the main guy, they're not opting out. So people are like the quarterback that you're going to see a big time quarterback opt out. And I'm like, I don't think you are. I, I don't think that's how this is going to go. And I also think if we go down that road, guess what? NIL is going to put in some guidelines and there's going to be some contract stuff where it's like, Hey, if you play an X amount, like, this is part of the deal to get X amount of money. You cannot opt out in the bowl games or playoff games. Like they're going to figure that out. I'm not as worried about yeah, that as other people are.
2: Pro-rated NIL stuff. Yeah. Like, like they're
1: I just, pro-rated. I'm not worried about that. Like there's a lot of stuff to be worried about with college football going forward. Losing star quarterbacks in the college football playoff in a 12 team playoff is not one of the things I'm worried about at the moment. I don't think that's going to be a thing.
2: I don't know. We'll see, man.
1: I hope not. Maybe I'm just, uh, rose-colored glasses and that sort of thing uh Macreen. green speaking of florida state your immediate reaction to dju because my cousin sam shout out to cousin sam in here uh on this very show you've met cousin sam um of course big florida state fan obviously i had to rain on his parade a little bit where i saw dju <laughs> commits to transfer to florida state cam ward commits to the nfl in a seven second hilarious just i'm going to the nfl bye um video that was fantastic because players don't do that anymore. Everything is so over the top and Haynes Fawcett does gra- design it felt stuff. like the
2: old school high school basketball recruiting where it's like, yeah. this guy's down in Kentucky, North Carolina, and he might go to the NBA.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we respect it. So shout out to Cam Ward. Good luck to him at the NFL level. He was fun to watch in college. But my thing was, my immediate reaction was like, oh, Florida State's going to be ugh, next year because you're losing Keon Coleman, losing Wilson, losing Benson. And DJU, you and I talked about it. He wasn't good. It wasn't like he got significantly better going to Oregon State. The team was just better. They asked him yeah. to do less. He was still competing, uh, completing like 50% of his passes. We watched the games. Oregon State just ran the ball really well. They didn't ask DJ to do a whole lot. I don't think this is a great fit. I'm not sure you could sell me on Brock Glenn at, with a full offseason as QB1. That he can't be better are you sure you can't do something better in the portal was will howard willing not willing like caden salter is now out will there
2: howard's looking at like ohio state these days right so I'm but thinking. i'm just saying like
1: if you're florida state i just i didn't understand like the reaction from a lot of folks who are like they get their bridge and that was my cousin sam i, I didn't want to ran his break because he's like bridge guy will be fine acc 10 and 211 i'm like I don't know. I agree. Is this, this is their Phillip rivers to the Colts. Just, uh, yeah, I just nice don't guy? think it's going to go like that. Do you agree? Macri? I don't think it's going to be great. I think this is going to be very frustrating for a lot of Florida state fans next year.
2: Um, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I guess he gives you a higher floor, um, in terms of not knowing. Cause I mean, I'm definitely, I don't even brought Glenn. I'm yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, it's hard to know. It's hard to know after watching a play against Georgia, what, what exactly yeah. he has. But, um, I uh, made a couple nice deep throws, but, um, I don't know, DJU, I, that doesn't, I, I don't think this Florida state roster is in a position where it's like, let's get a guy that can like manage the game. That's just like a solid, uh, you know, he can make some plays here and there. Like I think they, they kind of need a difference maker at quarterback. Like yeah. Jordan Travis was like, Low key, like most of their offense. Like they yeah. have obviously a good running game this year, but I mean, but Jordan he was in the Travis Heisman conversation. Around, made plays. Yeah, it's like he kind of. DJU DJU's not going
1: to be in the Heisman conversation yeah. next year.
2: And he made, and he, I don't know. He he has games where he's like a workhorse back, and he's just like yeah. getting tough yards. But then you have other games, and I don't know. He just seems like he doesn't want to get hit. So I don't know. DJU, it's hard to uh, to be too high on that, but I mean, I guess. I don't know that that's why I would, I think Florida state fans are so frustrated because Georgia fans, we might, you know, you might see the articles. It's like, Oh, Georgia would be favored against all these playoff teams on neutral field or something. But we're like, you know, we, we (laughs) didn't do it this year. It's in Florida state fans are like, we, this was it. This was the perfect storm. Everything came together for us to go and defeat it this year. And now it's all going to fall apart next year. And, like there's no chance this team is is undefeated type college like well, I mean they might be college football playoff contender because they might have a couple losses and still be able to get in in a 12 team playoff but I think this yeah. really felt like their shot this year and and DJU I don't know it, it feels like that just feels like an eight and four nine and four type of season
1: yeah and I just after the kind of year you just had and then to get left out and then the first year of the 12 team playoff you're looking at like an eight and four nine and three type. I just I don't know. I just would be very disappointed if I'm a Florida State fan because I think you could have done better. And I think Cam Ward would have been huge for them. And it's just kind of a bummer. I'd be like, man, we could have kept this thing rolling because you got a, a very talented uh, Krumanchuk, I think is his name. Luke Krumanchuk. Um He's in the top 10 of this class of quarterbacks. So you can let him sit for a year. If you have Cam Ward, you feel good. Then you just plug and play with him and you just keep this thing humming. I don't think this thing's going to be humming next year. My gut tells me it's going to be a frustrating year in Tallahassee, Um, but we shall see. We shall see, Matt Green. Um, What was not frustrating, sir, was the college playoff semifinals. So my first question to you, was that the best semis ever as we put a bow on the four-team playoff era uh, a decade later, sir?
2: Um, I think it was two amazing games, but I got to go with the 2022 playoff. I think that Hmm. one was still better. Just Georgia, Ohio (laughs) State came down to the wire and TCU, Michigan was a a track meet. Like, I'll still go that one. Maybe I'm biased uh, with the Georgia New Year celebration as the clock struck midnight. But but yeah, two ridiculous games came down to the final play. Um, It's almost... Hear me out here. It's almost as if we all overreacted to the same couple teams being good for a while and this 14 team playoff is actually a good idea. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's just that's just me. I'm a, I'm a big 14 team playoff guy. Um so I I just I thought, you know, when we when we saw Alabama dominating people we were like, "Oh, we're getting these terrible playoff games." It's like, "Okay, that, th- that doesn't mean that the, the system is messed up. So mm-hmm. I it was it was an awesome game. Um, I feel like me and you were probably over here breathing a sigh of relief when we saw Alabama lose this game and, and Nick Saban finally go three years without winning a national championship at Alabama for the first time. Well, some time. people
1: are saying he hasn't won one in six now because they're not counting the COVID year. The they're COVID. saying he hasn't won a non-COVID title since 2017.
2: I can... I'll give you an asterisk on like on the Dodgers or the or the Lakers like those weird season the bubble and stuff but college football wasn't even that different they played an all SEC schedule that's what
1: I push back against where I'm like that was actually harder you could actually make the case I understand like the environments weren't as strong but like to go undefeated and to run the gauntlet in the SEC with the offense and dominance that Alabama had I just, they don't get an asterisk that, that counts folks that, but also the bubble, like I could go at a whole rant about that. I'm like that you could make the case. That was harder because you're away from family. You're in this, like a, like just away in this uh, literal bubble away from everybody. And you're doing these games. Like it's an AAU tournament over and over again. And I don't know. I think it was hard mentally. I think that was a really hard thing to do. A lot of people do talk from, about yeah.
2: like maybe the best basketball was being played just because those dudes were so focused and
1: everything. Yeah, like that. it was fun. Um,
2: but yeah, well, it, I, 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 I push really, back on the
1: COVID championships. Don't put really an asterisk say, by them. Yeah,
2: I mean, I'm not really going off on that. I'm not dying on that hill. And people, it's really the LeBron haters out there that want to yeah. put an asterisk on the, the Lakers bubble title. But um, how do we get off on that tangent? Um, well, we we're well, talking yeah, about the best but, ever. But talking about, how, and now it's one championship in the last six years for Saban. But mm. so ultimately we were wrong about, you know, what this team was capable of accomplishing with Jalen Milrow.
1: Hold but on, I, hold, on like hold on, hold on. We,
2: we. I mean, you're were you predicting them to go eight and four and Saban to retire?
1: I'm saying they were closer to eight. And- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Than they were a national title contender, and I'm standing by that.
2: How how can you possibly stand by that? They went 11 and one, won the SEC. I mean,
1: Tennessee was up 20 to seven at the half. Like little, on the road in Tuscaloosa, okay. this and is a team got, that was on the ropes with USF, Matt Green. This is a team that barely it. beat Arkansas. This is a team that barely beat Texas A&M. This is a team that needed a prayer to beat Auburn, a bad Auburn team, mm-hmm. and Jordan Hare. This is an eight and four, closer to an eight and four Iowa ass team than they were a national title team, Matt Green. Are you dying, I will are you, die on that hill.
2: Here? No, and I'm, and so if you would let me finish, sir, down there. <laughs> I feel like our assessment of this team was Mm -hmm. still kind of like was still accurate. Like, because I feel like they were flawed, but you look at the sec West and their opponents this year, there were not a lot of just like really good defenses to expose Jalen Milrow. And I think at the end of the day, like I, I obviously as a Georgia fan watching this game, I'm like, how did this Alabama team beat Georgia? You know, I just, Mm -hmm. it felt like they were, This felt more like the team we saw Alabama play most weeks, the one like you're saying that barely beat Arkansas, the one that needed a prayer to beat Auburn. Like it felt more like, yeah, Milrow is good. This team is good. This defense is really good. One of the best in the country, but they're just something they were missing offensively. And even with all that, you're talking about close to eight and four they went to overtime in a college football playoff game. They were winning in the final minutes. Michigan had to put together the 80 yard drive to tie the game with a minute left. So like with all their flaws, this Alabama team still damn near won a national championship with Jalen Milroe at quarterback. Like I, and he finished six in the Heisman voting, right? Like I wonder, is he definitely Alabama's quarterback next year? Like is Nick Saban looking to upgrade the quarterback position? Because there's like a, such a feel good narrative around him about how he like got so much better throughout the season, which I think he did, but I think it's still a little overblown. I think it was, you know, yeah, I agree. some yeah, you know what I mean. So
1: if they I lose to Auburn, Michigan, no one's talking about him like this.
2: Yeah, without a doubt, and he's a he's a good player, and they were still, and he's an amazing athlete. But I think the di- the main difference with Michigan and Georgia is that Michigan this team is built more like the 2021 Georgia team, like defensively. Mm. I think that's where you could see the difference between like, just like I'm saying, watching it from a Georgia fans perspective, because Georgia made some mistakes offensively in that game that kind of, you know, shot themselves in the, in, their, in the foot, but they weren't stopping. Uh, they weren't getting the pressure. I mean, they did get some pressure on the road, but they weren't getting the pressure consistently like Michigan was. And they weren't just, shutting down Michigan and, and and Alabama did have some success running the ball. But I think, uh, I think that's the main difference I saw watching this game is Michigan just has more dudes on the defensive line than Georgia.
1: No, I don't, I don't disagree, sir. Um, but you know, Hey, this was, let's talk about Michigan, Alabama first. And what we saw here, I predicted both. Correct. Uh, going into this weekend. Matt Green, I don't know if you saw, but it was a great year for uh, myself on the pick-em. Uh, and I finished on a high note here with Michigan and Washington both getting dubs. The group chat gave me all kind. The Thomas family group chat was all over me because I said in the morning, I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be Michigan and Washington. And they were all Alabama, Texas. Everyone was all Alabama, Texas. That's what we're getting. And I was like, you know what I'm doing? I'm sticking to what I've seen all year long, which is, Bama is incredibly flawed and Texas beat up and Washington has been the best offense and has the best quarterback in the playoff. Like I just couldn't shake it where I'm like, they do this Washington, never been down eight plus points all year long. People doubted him against Oregon twice. And I think Texas was built in a similar way to Oregon. And they just were like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take care of that. And it got a little crazy. We'll talk about that in a second. But I just looked at this Bama team. It was just like, people kept, it's really hard because Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach of all time. It's really hard to just accept when things have changed, right? We've What we just did is we gave Clemson the last two years, Matt Green, the benefit of the doubt. Because we're like, we've seen Dabo build a dynasty at Clemson. We've seen Clemson beat Alabama multiple times. We've seen them win a national title with a true freshman quarterback. We've seen Clemson just keep this thing humming and be a, a real national title contender over and over again. So that when they start fumbling and they start not falling off a cliff, but going more towards that 10-2 and two route where there's just clear problems, but you're like, they're Clemson. And it, I just, I've just i seen them win a lot of big games. I've seen them do stuff that it's really hard to let that go and just be like, you know, they're just not that anymore. They're just like a, another good team. They're closer to Penn State than they are uh, the Georgias of the last two years. And I think it's really hard – for us as analysts and fans to look at you're this saying, and,
2: Alabama's closer to Penn State
1: I'm saying this year yes like I'm saying that they were a close I think that's a close game this year I think those two teams were closer than like the Georgia's of the last two years I, I don't mean, think there's one Penn true
2: Michigan game went like they were down like a touchdown and like the third quarter you're like no, no this but, leads insurmountable Penn State they can't do anything
1: they couldn't even I, they couldn't score at all I mean, you look at Bama. What did they do in the second half? They took the ball out of Jalen Miller's hands. Like, he was not throwing the football. They were like, we're running QB counter. We're running the football a bunch with him. We are power. And they ran the ball well. Bama ran the ball uh, well against Michigan. But all that to say, Matt Green, I just didn't feel like this is the Alabama of old. And people just kept saying after they beat Georgia, it was the Alabama of old. But I'm like... I don't know. I think if you play Bama, Georgia a hundred times in the bins, I think Georgia wins that game, probably 90 out of a hundred times. Like I didn't come away going Bama's back. I came away. Georgia had a bad day, had some injuries in the line. Lad McConkey wasn't hundred percent. You had obviously the, the missed call and the catch and who knows how different the game is there. But like, I didn't come away going, wow, outclassed. It's just Bama won in the trenches that day. You know who didn't win in the trenches? Bama against Michigan. So you saw that it could have gone the other way. Maybe that it doesn't happen again that way. Michigan is the best team in the trenches in the college football playoff. We saw that very evident um, on Monday afternoon. Well, and that's why I, just, I
2: think this was such a great season because I yeah. think they just found ways to win games. And I'm not, I'm not into all the composite rankings saying this is the most talented team in college football based on recruiting rankings. Like, this was not the most talented team in
1: college football, no. but they
2: just they found ways to win most games, and they almost found a way to win this one.
1: And it's almost a testament to Nick Saban, because this was an incredibly flawed team that Absolutely. he dragged to the Clouds football playoff. And they just didn't have dudes. Like, Burton obviously didn't step up in this game. No Isaiah Bond. Um, Malik Benson, big Juco transfer. He's now in the portal again. He doesn't do anything. You didn't have the tight end dynamic that you had last year with uh, Leitu, who was a good saving uh, security blanket for Bryce Young um, when those guys weren't open. You didn't have the elite back that you had a year ago with Jameer Gibbs. Like, since... um. Why, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, not Justice Haynes, who came in was good. He's gonna be a good player for. Uh, yeah, that was year. the first
2: game. I feel like I've seen him really play. McClellan, Chase McClellan.
1: Um, which he was okay, but he's just not a world beater. Like he's not a Derrick Henry. They just didn't. They they don't have the dudes. And obviously they had the offensive snap problems. And that center is now in the portal as we record this broadcast. But Magarine, I just looked at it. I was like, defense was fine. They held up their end of the bargain. They gave Michigan all kinds of problems. But this was not an elite Alabama team. They're good. They were solid. They're well coached. But this offense wasn't scary. This offense struggled. The offense came apart at the end when they needed it most. They had some issues. And they just don't have the dudes that typical Alabama dynasty national championship teams have. And I don't know. Maybe they get them next year. Maybe they bounce back. But I I don't know. If I'm a Bama fan, look, you've won a lot. It's been great. but. I think the better team won on Monday afternoon. And I think Michigan showed a lot. That J.J. McCarthy drive to, I mean, I was texting you during it. It It's like the J.J. McCarthy legacy drive was big time. Like he had so many big time throws in that drive. He made plays when he had to. Wide receivers made plays when they had to. And then, I mean, there was some weird stuff at the end, like Harbaugh with the timeout <laughs> at the one uh, when they could have just gone to overtime to snap it again. You had the crazy punt that that kid almost had a disaster where he would have never been allowed back in Ann Arbor. Yeah. If he, like, just the game had it all. Like, I love this game. I love the venue. Obviously, the Rose Bowl, it was a great venue for college football. But um, I just came away. Michigan, I think, is the best team this year People have felt it. I picked Michigan before the year on this program to win the national title. Um, and it's just, it was one of those things you just had to see it. You had to see Michigan finally do it and they get their first college ball playoff win against Nick Saban and they earned it. I think they, they you talked about on the pod, Matt. You were like, I don't know if JJ McCarthy can go out and win it, this game for Michigan. And I think he deserves credit because JJ took some shots, but he also, man, he stepped up big time late in this game
2: no he definitely did this is uh this is a legacy game for him for sure but but like you're saying like this this alabama team was flawed right like they mm. they they definitely uh the defense played great in this game for for michigan without a doubt like without that muff punt in then the first half like alabama's offense really did just about nothing until that mm. that, that final field goal drive so um Alabama's offense really I I came away obviously I came away thinking Georgia's the best team in college football what are we doing like how do I don't know Georgia lose this Alabama team um but yeah Michigan without a doubt like I've I've questioned J.J. McCarthy all season I still question J.J. McCarthy to be honest because we might not see that interception in the stat sheet on the first play of the game but it happened we all saw it. It was a terrible decision to start this game. He gets saved because Caleb downs is, foot is an inch out of bounds before he jumps. Um, but that would have been a, a backbreaker to start the game. Like obviously they plenty of time to bounce back from it, but you know, the stats look good for sure. A lot of, a lot of run after the catch, like not, I'm not trying to just pick, pick at JJ McCarthy here. We give the quarterback probably too much blame and too much credit. Um, it was obviously a great game for him, but I mean, I'm still like, he gets into a, a shootout next week with, with Michael Penix, like my money's still not on JJ McCarthy in that
1: situation. We'll get into how we think uh Sunday's going to go or excuse me, Monday night's going to go on the Sunday night show, but I'm still back and forth on that one. I'm with you. Like I, I still am going to probably pick Michigan, but man. Taking against Washington has been a foolish, foolish thing to do. But, I mean, final thing here, Matt Green. I mean, do you think Bama makes it back? They're fine. They don't. This doesn't dwell on them. They're just right back. Or do you think this is one of those where you're like, now it's getting even tighter? Have we already seen the last national championship for Nick Saban and Alabama just because it's going to get even more complicated with the expanded SEC and now the 12-team playoff?
2: I'm never gonna count Nick Saban out. Like you, people could argue and say I've already counted him out because I said the dynasty was dead. It's just because the dynasty was just operating at such a ridiculous level, and that's just no longer the case. They're mm-hmm. still one of the best programs in college football every single year, and are gonna go into just about every single season being one of those four or five teams that p- people are picking to win a national championship. So I, I just can't say that they're never winning another national championship, but. I mean, constructed the way they were this year, like, that's why I question Milrow. Like, I don't... He did improve, but how much more is... Can this guy improve? Like, I, I don't know. I do question that. Their ability to to win a championship with this guy. Is the defense as good next year? Losing guys like Dallas Turner. I assume Kool-Aid McKinstry is going pro. Terry and Arnold probably going pro. I, I haven't seen uh, the, the guys on their defense yet to this point, but... I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, you know Alabama's going to be loaded year in, year out. And and it's hard to... I'm never going to say that Saban is just... He's not going to win a national championship. I don't know. How, he can't have that many more years left. But uh, you can't count him out.
1: No, you you can't. But, I mean, it's just going to be hard. I think it's just dynasties are going to be damn near impossible in the 12-team playoff. Um, I think it's just going to be really hard. The dynasty really is just making the playoff every year. Is, I think, what the new dynasty measuring stick is going to be. is like... How many years in a row were you in the college bowl playoff, where you had an or opportunity?
2: A, maybe we get start to talk about like final fours, like yeah, a, like a college basketball. You're in yep. the final four every year, like that's 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 elite, and you're giving yourself yeah. a chance to win championships. But um, I don't know. I think uh, I think in this playoff era, the the twelve team playoff, it, it might benefit the the big the big dogs that have the deepest rosters because it, it's like those years like where the kick six happens, or a year like this where Georgia just loses the SC championship. Like the, the most talented team in the country, like they weren't perfect and they, they got bounced. but now you give them a 12 team, you give them that mulligan. Like you could see a lot of those juggernauts like Ohio state. Like we saw for years on urban Meyer. Like they just don't show up one or two mm-hmm. weeks a year and it costs them a national championship. Like, but you, you make it a even playing field at the end of the year. And, and some of those teams are the most talented teams in college football and like can, and can beat anybody. So I don't know. I don't know if it'll be as crazy or if it'll just be like those top two or three winning all the time. But but we'll see.
1: We will see, sir. Um, Matt Green, Washington, though, uh, they get a, a massive win, even though late it looked like Washington might actually blow this. I mean, Texas had four shots of the end zone at first and goal. And we're not able to get in um, your guy, 80 Mitchell making big plays late, but could not come down with the final one. And it wasn't on 80 Mitchell. That was a fantastic play by the Washington DB to break that up. Just picture perfect form, sir. But what did you make of Washington taking down uh, Texas in this one? Because I predicted that one would get away from Texas. Um, I thought Michigan and uh, Bama would come down to the wire. But my gut said that Washington was going to pull away a little bit. And they were up double digits in the third quarter. But Texas fought back. They deserve a lot of credit for making this a game late. Um, teams do not come back from 13 down uh, going into the fourth quarter for a reason. Texas ultimately not able to do it. You just don't want to be in that kind of hole uh, in the college football playoff and going into the fourth quarter. But what did you make of Texas going down to Washington uh, in the Sugar Bowl, Matt Green?
2: Yeah, Adonai Mitchell with a uh, kept the touchdown playoff streak going. So he scored a yeah. touchdown in all five playoff games he played in, but uh, but can't get that that third straight <laughs> national title. Um, but yeah, this this was absolutely uh, insane there at the end. I like it felt like Washington really, and, and that's why I, I told you like as much as Texas felt like the better team, I couldn't get this out of my head that like they feel just like Oregon. They feel like hmm. the same team as Oregon. And on paper, we all think Oregon is better than Washington, but they just Washington just beat Oregon twice. And I don't I didn't I wish I would have looked up how many games Washington wasn't favored in this year. It wasn't many, uh, mm-hmm. but every time they were doubted, they, uh, they they've shown that they're legit. And Michael Penix Jr., like his legacy is just off the charts like. I mean, I I was questioning Michael Penix Jr. down the stretch. Like, I think Roma Dunze should have been a Heisman finalist over him. But this was his this was his Vince Young, his Deshaun Watson potential moment of like, okay, he might not be the Heisman winner that season, but he's the guy that everyone remembers for that college football season. And he's got the potential to do that. Throwing for 400 yards in the in the in the semifinals. Like, I mean, I mean, these receivers like by themselves are just mismatches. But if you're going to put a perfect ball, on, like they, it's like, they didn't even have to have the elite receiver advantage. Mm-hmm. It was, he just put it right like on top of everybody. Like he was just making perfect throws uh, the whole game. And, and Texas didn't have much of an answer and they controlled the clock, which is, is, was really the blueprint uh, for when they beat Oregon uh, in the PAC 12 championship.
1: I just am so impressed by Michael Penix. Like he's just, I I saw someone who did like a um, I don't know how they do it, but they were able to edit the footage and make him right handed and what it looks like if he were throwing these darts right handed. And it looks almost identical to Philip Rivers. Like all of his stuff just looks like (laughs) prime Philip Rivers. And it's just kind of funny to think like how much our perception skewed just because he's a lefty. Um, Yeah, I can't not think he's Tua while watching him play.
2: Like he just he looks just like him.
1: But they guess what they didn't trail by eight plus in this game Matt Green they they keep that streak alive Washington just doesn't do the dumb stuff they don't get themselves in a hole they were protected Michael Penix well I don't think Michael Penix was sacked in this game um he doesn't throw a pick he is just good and people were worried about the Washington front versus the Texas defensive line Texas defensive line was good especially the interior but it just didn't matter like Penix was just on the money when he needed to, and also what I was most worried about with Texas was like, I think these NFL receivers with Polk, McMillan, and Adunze, I just don't think Texas has the horses out in the secondary to keep up with these guys. These are all three NFL guys, and it just they're not 2019 LSU with Jamar Chase and company, but they're good. And this is an elite, elite offense that's just really, really hard to stop. And it's just it. it you hats off to Washington because they just they know what they are, they know what they're how they're going to attack you, and they're just going to keep doing it. And you're not going to be most teams are not going to be able to stop them because they just don't have the dudes to to do it. I don't want to toot my own horn,
2: but I think I threw out that diet 2019 LSU after a couple games this season. Mm. Uh, these receivers are legit, but you're exactly right. I mean, they just they could not guard these guys, and even with all that they did have a Texas did have a chance to win this game at the end. And I was Mm -hmm. on how it ended. I was honestly shocked that Texas did not pull this thing out. Like, yeah. And especially for Dylan Johnson to get hurt on what, what really should have been almost the final play of the game. Like they, I don't know why they didn't knee the ball three times. Maybe even do like the run around for three or four seconds and knee it three times. Like there should have been about 10, 15 seconds. I think I was trying to do that. the, The math in my head, but when he gets hurt on third down and the clock stops like also so the clock doesn't keep going even though he's injured Like that's what I don't understand either like he's yeah it's, it's a running play he's down I, I didn't understand why the clock stops there but then and then you got the the kick catch interference so they're starting that drive on the 30 like it was just oh man everything going wrong and, and I don't know if Dylan, it didn't look like Dylan Johnson's going to play. I don't want to speculate about injuries, but the way he walked off the field, that doesn't look like a and guy. And he's had injury problems at
1: different points this year, too. Like, it's going to be, you don't get another month off to get right, like you just got for this one. Like, yeah. it's, it's next week. I, it sucks. I such hope a he's bummer, playing.
2: Playing against such a physical team like Michigan to not have the, yeah. the workhorse. And it, we literally talked about coming to this game on Texas, even after, uh, uh, blanking on the running back's name, right? Jonathan Brooks got hurt. They still had a bunch of guys that were that were able to you know be really productive. So Washington, it was all Dylan Johnson on the ground. So hopefully he can play, but I, I'm not optimistic. Um, but yeah, the way they were uh, Washington was able to to close this out, like man, it, it felt like that uh 2012 SEC championship, Georgia Alabama, they actually got the four shots from the end zone. They didn't they didn't throw it one time and then the clock ran out on them. They got the four shots from the 12 yard line, and with these Texas receivers, I'm honestly shocked that they didn't find a way to to get in the end zone. Like, I'm not gonna call out C. Sarkeesian. It's like, you know, things happen. It's plays happen here and there. But it's well, we like, can call them out for one. Being the first off-
1: play was insane. That check down to the right, that just throw to the right was insane. And that be was- like
2: an offensive guru type of coach. Like you don't have you don't have the play like from the 12 yard line to get your team to the national championship, like something that you're like, this is, this is the play. We got dudes that receiver. Like, I don't know. It just, you throw up the fade, you throw, like you're talking about the one in the flat, like, mm-hmm. like you, you should have taken four shots to the end zone. And and I don't know, maybe you don't have to. I would have
1: just gone to 80 Mitchell four times in a row, like the same move Honestly. four times in a row.
2: Yeah. And he, he had single coverage. I think yep. on every play too. So Yeah, I don't know. It just you—you've got to be frustrated with the offensive coach, you know, like to uh, to not have something better in that situation.
1: I ask you here as we wrap up here, Matt Green, Quinn yours proved a lot to me. I think Quinn was good. I I was interested to see the reaction to that. I was like, Quinn was fine. He wasn't the issue, and I think Quinn played really well in this game. And I'm very curious how this offseason goes with Texas because I'm sure there's some Texas fans who are like. Quinn, thank you for the time, but we are ready to... Like, Arch is here. Like, is Arch and the Manning family okay sitting another year if Quinn decides to come back? Like, I am very curious how this goes for Texas this offseason because I think you can make the case because they're bringing a lot back and they're right there, obviously, in the blue chip ratio and they're coming to the SEC. You kind of want to have the continuity of Quinn um, coming over to make things a little bit easier. But also... Is that realistic with Arch and everything else? I I don't know. Like they're in a weird spot. But also, if he hadn't yeah, just gone, if he didn't go to Ohio State out of the gate, do you know where he'd be great for a one year just transfer? Ohio, Ohio State. State. Like like it's just it kind of sucks that he burned that that weird senior year where he comes early. Because I'm like Quinn well, Ewers. I mean, you think would act- about
2: this? You think about this year? Like I think Ohio yeah. State could have used Quinn Ewers this year as well. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. the national championship. That's basically yeah. what they were missing. So I um. I don't know. I don't think you can worry about Arch Manning at all. To be honest, I think Quinn Ewers has the potential to be the number one pick in the twenty twenty five draft. Honestly, like, I think. I mean, I think he's right there. Like I think Carson Beck, Quinn Ewers, like they are like probably the two best quarterbacks coming into next season. I mean, who who are the Shador
1: Sanders will be in that mix? Shador Sanders, um, J. D. McCarthy. We'll see how he does if he comes back.
2: I don't put him in the I, don't I wouldn't either but I'm just saying he's level. back I don't know but but yeah in terms of the contenders I mean is he he's definitely back right he's not going pro I don't, I don't Who? think McCarthy's going pro right everyone else seems know. to think he's better than I do uh but I don't know so I think Quinn Ewers is uh, uh one of the better quarterbacks one of the best quarterbacks in college football so yeah I don't yeah if Arch Manning isn't cool sitting for two years I don't know arch manning it's obviously he's got his own aspirations but this is the richest backup quarterback we've ever heard of especially in college like this man's gonna do the matt liner uh chase daniel thing just just for, straight out of high school uh well but it's also like
1: know. he does you only need two years of tape so if he sat another year texas goes on a deeper run he gets to continue learning sitting waiting that kind of thing getting better and you don't need to
2: I mean, there's plenty, yeah, been plenty of guys that
1: Trubisky, Mark
2: Sanchez, like there's we, we've seen guys go top. Five I just
1: don't feel like the Manning family wants him to be a one and done, like one college football season, then go pro. That doesn't feel like a Manning thing yeah. to me. I mean, those are both like four year starters, right? Yeah. So I just I don't know. I have my doubts about that one.
2: Yeah, you could be right. Uh, I don't know. It's and you don't. He's still got time. He's still got plenty of eligibility. I, I the point think is, it's an interesting
1: off season ahead in Austin because That's I have it. no, I could see it going either way there. I, I'm very curious to see what happens.
2: I also think, talk, like I was talking about FSU earlier, like this kind of being a perfect storm for them. Like, I think this Texas was a little in a little bit of a perfect storm season this year. Like, hmm it's going to be a lot harder to get to the college football playoff going through this new 16-team SEC. Like, there's some gauntlets. Like, your schedule was undoubtedly easier in 2023 than it's going to be for the foreseeable future. And if they had the cachet of being a national champion coming into the SEC, they could start to recruit. Like, not that Texas isn't recruiting like a big-time program, but even take that to the next level. Like, this could be as close as Texas gets for the next
1: few years, like the sec is, uh, it's, it's a little bit different than the big 12. Oh no, I, uh, I don't disagree, but I also, you know, Bobby Bowden talked about that with the ACC years ago. Yeah. That's why they like ultimately
2: what... made the, dis- because they were independent, like in like the eighties yeah. and
1: everything. Right. Well, he talked about sec and ACC, like him taking an sec job and like winning a title. And I want to get this quote. Cause, um, it, it, just it speaks to what you're saying. Uh, because he talked about it just being too tough to win, and he was right because he won a national title. Um, at
2: uh, well, and that's what I've always said too. That, like, okay, here it is. I got the Meyer, quote Mexico for you Ohio State. It's like those programs that can get SEC players that don't have to play SEC teams.
1: Like, yeah, that,
2: that's the ideal situation.
1: So they joined the ACC in 1992, Florida State did. He said, uh, on the Paul Feinbaum show in 2015 bobby bowden said quote i felt that it was too difficult to win through the sec to win a national championship i felt like our best route would be to go through the acc and that did prove out to be correct but i don't know if we could have made it through the sec i mean that's it like he he's right and it worked out for him in a big way like Dabo paid off from that
2: and in the 90s the sec wasn't just like Head and shoulders better than everyone, either. Like, they like this run in the 2000s, like 20, like 20 teens. Like, that's when they started to separate themselves. But he was even saying that back then.
1: And I'm not saying that's a shot. I'm saying that's smart. Like, Bobby was smart and he won titles that way. And because, like, look, man, everyone's like, what's your strength schedule? You know what's cool? Just winning championships. You know who wasn't complaining? Clemson fans of like, oh, this ACC schedule. You know what they enjoyed? Winning national titles in like seven years of elite quarterback play. And they won a bunch of games. That's nice. Like that's that's really what people want. And if Michigan wants a title, guess who doesn't care that like ten of their game regular season games were just sleepers and didn't matter. Because guess what, they ended up winning a national title anyway. The SEC is just going to be way a they, bloodbath.
2: With the way they were recruiting in the nineties, I gotta think FSU still could have won a couple titles in the SEC. But um, maybe Bowden didn't want to go down no, that I, road, and I I don't I don't blame him. I think uh, they'd like to be in the SEC right now. That's for sure. They they don't seem too ha- happy. Uh, and the atlantic coast conference we'll see how much longer that that relationship lasts
1: that's this is true matt green well that is all we've got here we'll be back on sunday night to do our uh national championship preview our last college football game of the 2023 2024 college football season matt green um, don't forget to check out chase on for all of the full episodes links all that good stuff check out uh there if you like this on youtube and watch us on youtube make sure you like this video leave a comment all that good stuff youtube.com slash chase podcast like and subscribe email us chase podcast at gmail.com and all that good stuff but did you have something else matt before we wrap up oh i was just gonna say yeah i had a conversation
2: with uh with tory on like keeping our keeping the flag outside you know it's like okay technically Georgia's season is over but uh still got a couple more days till college football season is officially over i'm gonna keep the flag out for a few more days I'm in denial that college football season is over
1: Do you know who doesn't have to worry about taking down their Tennessee flag in front of their house? Everything School HQ because basketball season's here. Baseball season's around the corner. Everything School HQ. Matt Green, thank you as always, sir. Enjoy the hibernation. I hate that I, I said anything. You did that to yourself. You have no one to blame but yourself for that one. I can't believe you just tossed that one up right for me. Matt Green, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you very soon.